teaching series which is called Extraordinary Hospitality. Now, for those of you who were here last Sunday, we concluded Romans, as Joe's just said, and Joe gave us a great platform for this new series in his reminder for our call to unity and mission. How we reach out to the people with the good news of Jesus, both here in Darleston and over back on the Allenwell. And he reminded us of the challenges facing us and that at times this might mean doing things differently. So with this at the front of our minds, we're going to be spending the next few weeks exploring what hospitality means for us as a church. Now, one of our Junction 10 values is to live a generous life. And so this call to hospitality fits right in with that. So just to be clear at the start, the next few weeks are not about how to create the perfect menu. They are not about how to fold your napkins or when to use which bit of cutlery for which dinner course. The next few weeks are about exploring God's invitation to each one of us to live a generous, hospitable life. And then honing right in on what this means for us as a church in light of both the temporary ark, but also here at Grace Academy Darleston. How do we become the sort of hospitable church that Jesus wants? So should we just take a moment and pray together? Father, thank you that you are so good to us. And thank you that you are an amazing host. That you invited us right in. And Lord, this morning I just pray for each person here. I pray that each heart would be open and receptive to hear you. I pray that all the distractions and all the other things going through our minds, that we'd be able to put that aside and just hear your voice. So I pray that you'll bless our time this morning, Lord. Be with your people now. Amen. Now, I did notice, I'm just going to say, as an aside, on Easter Sunday, Pete Wright said, if you remember, I need a bit of encouragement. And you were all fantastic. And there was lots of amen and yes and hallelujah. Well, I'm not the same as Pete Wright, but we still need encouragement. So it would be great to hear that. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Hopefully I'll say something that encourages you. So um, I wonder what comes to your mind when you think about hospitality. And I wonder if you consider yourself a hospitable person. I'm wondering how hospitable the people in your family of origin were when you were growing up. Perhaps the thought of hospitality is terrifying or overwhelming for you. Perhaps you're sitting there thinking, well, that sounds expensive. Or perhaps you simply feel you do not have the time. Now, for me, I grew up in a Christian home, and Sundays were always about gathering together for church services morning and evening. And in between most Sunday lunches, there were usually guests at our table. Or we might be the guests at somebody else's table. I preferred that bit. Better puddings. Um, My parents were part of a house group, and the leaders regularly opened their home to us. Uh, where they would meet together, pray together, study the word together and eat together. And they were actually amazing hosts 
And they had a way of making everyone feel at home. So I think that hospitality was actually a big part of my upbringing. And let's face it, as Christians, it is something that should actually be part of our DNA. Because in Romans 12, if you remember, Paul says, practice hospitality. He doesn't go on to explain it in any detail, he just says, do it. And in 1 Peter 4, verse 9, it goes a bit further, because we're told to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I don't know about you, but I could fall into the grumbling category. But we're clearly being told, be hospitable. Do it with the right heart. Because remember, God sees our heart and he sees our motives. Now, while my parents and many of the godly men and women that I grew up with were really good at being hospitable, I'm going to say I think they had a certain understanding of what hospitality was in their context, rightly so. But that was several decades ago. I know I don't look old enough. The world has changed and it's really important that we think about what hospitality means and looks like in our current context today in 2022. You see, you were born at a certain point in time. And that means you were placed right here, right now. None of this is by accident. And so what worked 20 years ago is actually unlikely to work right now. If we want to share the gospel message, and if we really want to see people come to Jesus, and we do, don't we? Do we? Then we've got to think about hospitality post-pandemic, where being really honest with you, people are unlikely to just wander on in. What I've realized over the years is that part of my growth, part of our, our growth as disciples, is that often we need to go back to something that we think we understand and unpack it again in light of God's revelation to us now, his now revelation. And that is what this series is all about. When we think about hospitality, it's a bit of a side note, in our current context, if we're not careful, we can get caught up and distracted by how the world views things like hospitality. And if we follow the world's view, then actually our cooking would have to be like Nigella's. Our homes would need to look like something out of House Beautiful. Our children and our dogs would need to be perfectly behaved all of the time. And our housekeeping and our tidiness, something along the lines of Marie Kondo. Something of which, I don't know about you, but I can't even begin to do. And this thinking, if we're not careful, it can start to leak through to our churches. Sometimes I think we can all be guilty at looking at the church down the road and trying to imitate their seemingly amazing hospitality. But this is not about copying. This is about knowing the gifts and the talents you have within your church body and using them to offer the best hospitality you can in your context. A few years ago, um, Will and I, we were invited to go and pray with a church that was really struggling. 
They had only a handful in their congregation and they were all aged over 60, which we know from last week is definitely not old. They had a beautiful, and it was beautiful, large building in the centre of a city. It was probably worth millions. And in its heyday would have been heaving with hundreds of people. But the church was struggling. They probably had less than 20 people, and that would be a good Sunday. Now, this church was right in the middle of a student population. And I remember these really good, faithful, kind people trying to make plans as to how they could invite this younger generation in. And I remember Will, in his gentle knot, (laughs) subtle knot, (laughs) saying, stop. Stop what you're doing. Stop trying to imitate a young, trendy megachurch because it's not who you are. Instead, you are amazing cooks. Why don't you offer them a student lunch? Why don't you get alongside them? Why don't you offer them a home, a place where they'll be loved, a family, where you can pray for them, where they'll walk in the door and you'll know their name and you can encourage them and say, how did it go this week? You see, this is about knowing what our strengths are and using them to the best of our ability. And Junction 10, I've got to say, we've got some real strengths and gifting in this house, haven't we? We have. We have got some master bakers. We have got some prayer warriors. We have people who are brilliant at talking to new people. Some of you are amazing encouragers and so much more. So my first challenge this morning is, what are you good at? And if you don't know, then pray about it. And then maybe ask someone who knows you really well. And then let's add it into the gift mix. Because this is all part of the beautiful, welcoming picture of the body of Christ. So perhaps hospitality is not about cooking the perfect Yorkshire puddings. Or having a spotless house. Because while the Bible tells us to be hospitable, it doesn't say anything about cooking a Sunday lunch. It says nothing about hospitality being linked to expense, exhaustion, or actually even being an extrovert. Our hospitality is all about our hearts and our posture of generosity. We're not following what the world says because we are disciples of Jesus. And so we are looking to him. Jesus, if we look at his life, he lived a life of hospitality. And yet throughout his ministry, he didn't have a home to call his own, let alone a kitchen. He had very little to offer in terms of the material or food. And yet wherever he went, he offered an open invitation to come and follow him, to sit with him, to eat with him and to learn from him. So this morning, I'm suggesting it's time to rethink our hospitality, to consider all of our preconceptions, put them to one side, and listen to what is God inviting us into. And I'm sure you'll agree with me, the start of the journey begins with an invitation. Do you remember the last time you received an invitation? Perhaps it was an invitation to a wedding or a party. 
perhaps it was an invitation to have dinner with someone or an invitation to join in with something. Whatever it was, I think we can all remember the excitement of being invited in to something. And I, I think as human beings, we long for invitation because by receiving an invitation, we've been noticed and we're being asked to belong. So our thinking about hospitality needs to centre around invitation. And in Isaiah 55, we see God's invitation through the prophet Isaiah to his people, which I'm just going to read for you now. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. These verses speak of God's deep desire, his invitation to have a relationship with you. And this is where hospitality begins. If we go right back to the book of Genesis, God reveals himself, doesn't he, as the original host. He created a beautiful garden for us to live in. He created a world and invited us in. Have you ever wondered if God really cares about you or about your situation or if he really wants to be close to you? Well, the verses in Isaiah confirm he does. He is interested and he is calling you, not just me, every one of you, to come. In these verses, he says, come to me five times. In the book of Isaiah, we see God's people living in exile. They've sinned greatly against God. They chose to worship other gods. They'd rebelled against God, and so he handed them over. He gave them what they most wanted, freedom from the laws that they hated, but laws which were actually designed to protect them. And yet after all of that, in these verses, we see God calling them back in. God is not a reluctant or a nervous host. He is joyful and enthusiastic. He calls his people back to him, longing to pour out his lavish affection on them. And this invitation is free. It is open to all. And we've just got the imagery of a generous, lavish feast before us. This is not your average bring and share. 
This is not a local soup kitchen. This is a lavish, abundant feast. In verse 1, it says, come to me without money or cost. God wants to remind us that things usually come with a cost. Such an abundant feast would be very expensive. But the price has been paid by Jesus. We are welcome at this feast because of what Jesus has done. For what we've just celebrated, he paid with his life. He covered the cost on the cross so that all we need to do is accept the invitation. This is a picture of generous hospitality. This is a picture of God's invitation to his people then and to us now. You might be new to church this morning and you might wonder if this invitation is for you. And you might have been a Christian for years, but you might have forgotten that this invitation is also for you. This morning, our loving Father God is inviting each one of us to come. Come to him. So before we even begin to plan or strategize, there's an invitation that we need to accept and we need to step into. But what happens when we say yes to this invitation? Well, when we say yes, we see our hearts and our posture are changed by the work of the Holy Spirit within us. And slowly, we begin to lead lives that reflect the loving generosity of God. And I'd love to say this happens overnight, that we immediately change from being self-centered and reluctant hosts, but sadly, it doesn't. Many of us, if we're really honest, fail to reflect God's cheerful, generosity and we can be a bit reluctant or a bit resentful when we invite other people into our homes or into our lives because often we don't really want to share our time or our money or our energy with others and it if we're not careful can all feel very inconvenient but as joe mentioned last week this can actually be the same in church the inconvenience of the changes needed to welcome others, so maybe it is a different style of worship. Maybe there is a change to our teaching plan or our service structures, and it makes us all feel a bit uncomfortable because we don't like change, do we? But in a refusal to change, we can close the door on inviting others in. A short while ago, I heard someone speaking, and they said, Britain has got one major problem when it comes to being hospitable and opening up their homes. And they said, they quoted the well-known phrase, an Englishman's home is his castle. And they said, that is a lived reality. We don't want to open up our homes, our lives. We like being locked in our mini fortresses, don't we? Yet God longs for us to be generous, open-handed people. But he knew we needed help. And so in John 7, verses 38 to 39, we read Jesus' words. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow Mm. from within them. Notice again, it's another invitation. The living water is the Holy Spirit. And this is the generous gift given 
to all who believe in Jesus. And it's through the loving work of the Holy Spirit that our hard, ungenerous hearts are transformed. God's Spirit has the power to transform your life. Amen? And it will equip you with the desire to welcome all of those around you and that he has put into your life. Remember, it's not an accident. This living water will flow from within us to others and it will extend the welcome of God to others, inviting them into his kingdom. Caroline Lacey describes this generosity as the significant way in which God works in our lives to bring life to others. Now some of you, if you cast your minds back, will remember at the start of the year, Dr. John Andrews came to preach on Martha. And he challenged us, didn't he, with those simple words found in Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Opened her home to him. She was open. She invited him in. She welcomed him. She opened her home to him. I was really challenged by those words. And I don't think it was an accident that that's what he chose to speak on. Because I believe that God is giving us an invitation, Junction 10, an invitation to us as a church. He is inviting us into extraordinary hospitality. And it's going to look and it's going to feel a bit different. But I believe if we step up, if we accept the invitation, then we have reason to get excited. How prepared are we to open the whole of our lives to him? To invite the Holy Spirit in? How prepared are we to be like Mary and grow the kingdom? How prepared are we to open our eyes to the communities we've been placed in and invite in the struggle and the mess? Now over the coming weeks we're going to dive deeper into the ideas of hospitality. We're going to think about who is our neighbour? What does it mean for us to become humble? How can we be more aware of those around us? How do we learn a posture of inclusivity? But for this morning, let's just think about the invitation part. So what is our response to the invitation? Now for some of you this morning, it might be the first time you've heard this invitation to know Jesus. And if that is you, then do you know what? We'd love to pray with you. We would love to welcome you into the kingdom this morning. For some of you this morning, you accepted this invitation a long time ago. It might even be a faded memory. And so this morning, you need to say yes and recommit yourself to Jesus. For some of you, perhaps you've said yes, but you just need a fresh inpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need that living water. For others... All of us, I hope, it's about saying yes to the journey of hospitality. Asking God how he can use you in his kingdom's work. Being prepared to step up and be uncomfortable. Starting to think through how could you be hospitable with your time, your energy, your home, your possessions, your creative talents, your practical skills, your words. 
Can I suggest that all of this begins with prayer? Now the prayer ministry team are here this morning. They're wearing badges just like me. And thank you. Yeah, give it up for the prayer ministry team. And they would love to pray with you. We're praying people, aren't we? I often think everybody should want prayer all the time. So this morning, don't go home and don't miss the opportunity. The little circle's there. But you can find them if, if you know they're not in the circle. They would love. In fact, nothing would give them more joy than to sit and pray with you this morning. At the AOG conference a week ago, we heard Jay John speak, and he is one of the nation's greatest evangelists. And he challenged us. He said, who are you praying for? He said that he and his wife currently have 42 people on their list. Again, I was greatly challenged by this. And it reminded me that Will and I, we used to have a list, didn't we? A list of people who didn't know Jesus. And we just prayed for them every day by name. And I was reminded, do you know, what a surprise. God touched every one of those names. He didn't do it the next day. It wasn't until, what, two years later and we looked back and we said, I mean, one of them didn't know God. I was in full-time ministry. We just, every day, please, that person, Lord, they need to know you. It wasn't about us. I was reminded how faithful God is. Now, I am quite sure some of you have got a list. You're saying, yeah, yeah, I'll do this. So thank you. Thank you for your faith and your prayer. But how about, for those of us that haven't, we just all began with a small list. How about five names? Maybe less. Because if there are a hundred of us here this morning, and all those people accepted that invitation, that would be 500 new people. Amen. It doesn't mean that there might be 500 new people here, there'd be 500 new people in the kingdom. And you haven't got to be a bold extrovert to do that. Just every day, Jesus, this person, they need you. They need healing. They need to know who you are. So, can I encourage you this morning to be part of this journey, to begin inviting people into the church family through your prayers. Band, can I ask you to come back up? I want to finish this morning by, by just reading that passage again from Isaiah 55. And as I read it, I'd love you to just close your eyes, to just listen to his personal invitation to you before we worship together. It says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. 
See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you, he's endowed you, Junction 10, with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near.